You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Wow, man. Uh, Just want to encourage you tonight. You know, uh, we've been talking about operating in the wisdom of God. And I started a, a couple Wednesdays ago talking about the fear of the Lord um, and th- that that's the beginning of wisdom is to fear God is the beginning of wisdom. And we talked about what that fear was and how that operates, that that's not a fear like afraid of the dark or afraid of spiders or snakes or something like that. It's not that kind of fear. Um, it's the type of fear that is respectful and reverent and honorable and takes God seriously at his word. And, you know, one of the things I want us to take God seriously at his word about is that there is a heaven. I want to encourage you, there is a heaven. And heaven is a place that we're going to spend uh, a lot of time in. Uh, so much time that it can't be counted. So much time that it's, that it's uh, limitless. It's eternal. It's infinite amount of time. There's no, there's no beginning and end to it. You know, uh, I read the other day that God, God, God takes our whole universe and measures it with the span of his hand. A span is from pinky, the tip of your pinky to the tip of your thumb. Our whole universe that looks so infinite and so vast and so spectacular and so incredible that goes on and on and on with all these galaxies and inside the galaxies, all these suns and all these planets and all these things. It's so immense and so spectacular that our God, who created a place called heaven for us, measures that with the span of his hand. That, that's the kind of, that's the God that Daniel saw when Daniel, uh, uh, or he experienced that Gabriel came out of the presence of God and went to Daniel and, and was giving him a message. And just because Daniel was in the presence of God, the, the amount of anointing and presence of God that was on Daniel from being in God's presence caused, or on Gabriel, uh, caused Daniel, the great prophet, to fall. It says he fell like a dead man. I mean, he just fell over like a dead man. Just boom. Even though he wasn't dead, he fell like a dead man. And even when the angel Gabriel helped him up, it said he trembled and shook. Can you imagine? That's in the presence of an archangel, what the presence of God must be like. Well, we have another example of that in the Old Testament. Isaiah, when he saw the captain of the hosts of heaven, I believe it was the Lord Jesus Christ, when he got in his presence, he fell the same way. And he said, he said, I can't even be in the presence of God. I can't be in your presence. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. He was totally undone. He saw all his sin and saw the holiness of God, saw all his sin, and he was just completely shook, sh- shaken, and just completely undone. He just, his body collapsed. He's, he's at the feet. He's like, man, you, you, I can't even be in your presence. Uh, the Bible says over and over again that God's presence uh, blots out the sun. Blots out the sun. And the sun we're talking about is the Middle Eastern sun that is extremely hot and extremely bright. You know, we have such bright days that if you're ever driving towards our sunsets, it's blinding. You can't see. You can't see anything out in front of you. Matter of fact, I'll turn north or south, whichever where I'm trying to get to, just to get that sun out of my eyes because I can't see anything out my windshield. 
Well, our sun, when God shows up, when Jesus shows up, it says it blots out that sun. You know how the sun, the stars are always in the sky. We just can't see them because the shining of the sun causes us not to see the shining of the stars. Well, the the shining of God causes us to not be able to see the sun. Think about that. His brightness is so great that it blots out the sun. The way the sun's brightness is so great, it blots blots out all the stars. Is that not incredible, how incredible our God is? And he says, go with me to John chapter 17. I'm just going to talk a little bit about eternal life and the greatness of our God and why we should walk in this reverence, this holy, this holy fear of God's presence in our life all the time, that we should, we should be considerate and reverent of God because he's present all the time everywhere we are and he's not just present on the outside he knows every thought and every intention of the heart and why we should walk reverently before him and when we do when we treat him that way that's why he shows up he shows up and manifests his presence when we treat him with that kind of reverence it's that Jesus is talking it's it's his prayer um, it's it's one of his last prayers And he says, this is what Jesus prays as he looked up into heaven. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your son so that I will magnify your glory. You know, one of the reasons that God wants to lift us up is so that we lift him up. He wants to increase our influence. Uh, I, I pray a lot that God promised that he'd make my son's names great. My children's names great on the earth. And I believe that greatness is not is not to receive the glory for it, but that he wants to increase the influence of his children, of those who love him on the earth, so that we will glorify him. And that's what Jesus is praying. Lift me up. It's time to glorify me. It's time to lift me up so I glorify you. And that's how our life should be. And when you walk in the fear of the Lord and you walk in the wisdom of God and you make choices out of wisdom, we are really, we're glorifying God. As God, as God lifts us up because we're walking in wisdom in our relationships, we're walking in his wisdom in our finances, we're walking in his wisdom in how we go to work and how we treat people and how we conduct our, our life. When we walk in that kind of wisdom, we are, God said he will, he will magnify our life, he'll exalt our life, he'll lift our life up. He'll, he'll, he'll we'll gain influence with him and with man. He'll lift us up and he'll continue to, to lift our lives up. So for one reason and one reason only, so that we'll glorify God. We'll glorify God. We see act, uh, athlete after athlete. You don't see this much with actors. You, don't, you see it every once in a while, but you see it with athletes that say, I believe God gave me this platform so I would give him glory. And, and that's why God wants to lift us up so we'll give him glory. But we have to walk in two, the two phases of God, the two parts of God. His love for us and also absolute respect for God. It always amazes me that people can give themselves permission to walk out of God's wisdom, to walk away from God's wisdom, and then think somehow it's going to work out for them. 
It just amazes to me, amazes me. You know, the Bible says that when people operate in adultery, and that when, when women entice men, or men entice women, but it, it talks about the adulterous woman, and it talks about that her feet go all the way down to hell, to Hades. And I, it always amazes me when men fall for that, or women fall for that stuff, and they, they just violate the wisdom of God by violating their marriages and think somehow it's all going to turn out right. God's going to bless this, right, Pastor? No, God's not going to bless it. He's not going to bless those relationships. He's not going to bless those things. He's already said he's not. You know, that people get so deceived and so caught up in their own stuff that they forget that God is a holy God. That he is that great. That he, that he does measure the whole universe in the span of his hand. He's, he's bigger than we ever could imagine. He's more than we could ever think of. He's mightier than we could. I mean, we can't imagine his might. That with his words, he created the universe. Just with a word. With a word. That he not only put all the stars in the heaven, but he named each one. That's how great our God is. That's how incredible he is. That's why people fall when his presence shows up. That's why when Paul encountered Jesus on the road, uh, on the road as he was traveling, uh, he, he encountered Jesus and all the, the people that were with him fell over and he fell over. Just in his presence. And the brightness blinded Paul, his name was Saul at the time, blinded him for three days. He had to be prayed for, for his eyes to be restored. And it happened in an instant. It's not like staring at the sun for a while and it, it burns your retinas. It'll burn your parts of your eyes where it'll blind you. No, as soon as he saw the appearance of Christ, he was blind and he was down. Just down on the ground. God wants us to not have to experience that or see that in order to understand that's who he is and that we walk in such reverence of him that we, we value his wisdom. Someone sent me, I think it's my wife sent me, she's out of town with her mama who's in the hospital in Tulsa and doing great, by the way, praise God. But, but uh, she sent me this deal about people who, how they read the Bible, that the overwhelming majority of Christians don't read the Bible. Only about 20%, 25% of all Christians read their Bible. And not all of them, not that whole 25%, read it daily. If we really believe that God is this awesome, incredible God, why wouldn't we want to read the Word? You know what's amazing to me too? Is that I think it was 80% of all Americans believe that this is the Word of God. Wow. People believe this. I, I bet you everyone in this room believes this is the Word of God. If it is the almighty word of G-O-D, God, the creator of the universe, bigger than we can imagine, mightier than we can imagine, more loving than we can imagine, more powerful than we can imagine, why wouldn't we want to read his book? See, when people say they fear God, but they don't even want to read his book and follow after him, I don't know if I believe it. I mean, if you really fear God and you really believe this is, the, this is his book, that he wrote this for us, he wrote this not for himself, he wrote this for us.
He wrote this for us. And that we were created, we were created to worship and praise him. Not because he's got insecurities or, you know, is, is got a big ego. No, that's for our benefit too. We worship him for our benefit. We praise him for our benefit. It keeps the relationship right. Because entities, including angels, Lucifer was an angel. And human beings get to thinking they're bigger and better than God. He convinced Eve she could be. And Adam said, oh, I think I can be too. So the, the reason he established worship and praise is so that we keep the relationship right. That we don't start thinking we're him and we can decide right and wrong and what is wise and what is foolish. That we actually keep him in a position that he decides what is right and wrong and he decides what is wise and what is foolish. And this is a challenge to, to, to our people and, our, and you and your family and you personally. To, do, you really, do you really fear him? Do you really honor him? Do you really worship him? Do you really believe he's God? And do you really believe there's a heaven and there's a hell? That there's an eternal life and there's an eternal death? For those who believe it, man, I'm telling you, they can't help themselves but serve him. They can't help themselves but read about him and let him speak to us. I say it all the time. God says to pray without ceasing, so he wants, to talk to, he wants us to talk to him all the time, cast our cares on to him all the time, I mean, he wants it, but he wants to talk back. He wants it to be a two-way relationship. This is the main way in which he talks to us. And I don't know about you, but when I have someone in a room, and anybody who knows me will tell you that, if I have someone in a room that's an expert in a certain thing, I'm going to listen a lot and start taking notes. If I'm in that room for a reason, and I want to know what they know, I'm taking notes, and I'm listening, and the talking I do is usually in the form of a question. Like, what about this? And what about that? Explain what that term means. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm constantly asking questions. Why? Because they're the expert, I'm not. But it's always amazing to me how I'll get people in a room, and somebody knows more about a subject than they do, and they want to tell them all about what they know. It always amazes me. It always shocks me. And that's how we treat God sometimes. We want to tell him all of our stuff, but we don't want to hear what he has to say. He's the expert. What is he the expert at, Pastor? Everything. Everything, anything. Stuff that we don't even know about. We don't even know. Not one person on earth even knows about some of the stuff he knows. And some of the stuff he can do. And, and so if we really believe that's all true, then, man, we're going to seek him. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pursue him. We're going to want to hear what he has to say when he says, hey, listen, you're foolish to do this, but you're wise to do this. We're going to want to follow after that because we're human beings. Uh, we're not going to be perfect at it, but we should purpose in our hearts to be good at it. I've said before, that having a great marriage is not rocket science. Matter of fact, God makes it real simple. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, respect. Let me say it. Respect your husbands. Treat them with respect. 
Husbands, love your wife. It's that simple. Children, obey your parents. I mean, it's not complicated. God makes it real simple. You want to have a great marriage? Do those things. You want to raise great kids? Children, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey. You know, we're dealing, you know, we have a, a daycare, and we've, we've, we've watched kids for 30 years in this church, almost 30 years in this church, and we, we have some of the best people that, that have given uh, part of their lives to serve in our nurseries and things, and the first time in years, we, we uh, don't have enough nursery workers, we're, we're short a little bit on nursery workers, having to work the same people over and over again, and it's because of that Sometimes now we have kids that are so disobedient, it makes it, it's, it doesn't make it a joy to volunteer in our nurseries anymore. Parents, you, you need to teach your children to obey. You need to discipline your children. Don't buy into the modern psychology of no spanking, no discipline, no correction. But listen, the reason I think some parents don't is because they don't, they don't, they, they can't be corrected. And they don't, they don't surrender and submit to authority. Because, you know, I love what the centurion said to Jesus. He said, will you heal my servant? And Jesus said, yes, I will. I'll go and heal him. And the centurion said, no, you don't have to go. You don't have to go because I'm a man under authority and a man in authority. When my superiors tell me to do something, I do it. When I tell those that are underneath me to do it, they do it. And Jesus, I know, he's basically saying, Jesus, I know you have all authority. You say to sickness to go from this spot. You don't even have to go to my house. From this spot, sickness will leave. Jesus said to that man, this man right here, this is, he said, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. He accounted him as faith because he understood authority levels. It's real important that our children and we understand authority because right now what's taught all over the country is rebellion against authority. And I think we have a right to stand up against any kind of ungodly authority. But a lot of times authority is not ungodly. They're just telling you to do something you don't want to do. And when we, when we learn that ourselves and we surrender to God's authority and to man's authority that is, that is doing what is right, now, again, I want to say this. When they ask us to commit a sin or do something that violates God or the, our conscience, then we don't have to do it. But most of the stuff that happens in the day-to-day -day world, the day-to-day -day life at jobs, at work, and homes, is not a violation of those things. We, we have to learn to surrender and be a submitted people in order to teach our children to surrender and be submitted. It grieved me when I found out last week that we're struggling with kids that are so disobedient. I understand people come to Jesus at various levels, but I, I want to encourage parents in this room, when you learn how to surrender and submit to God, seek the wisdom of, seek the counsel of people that have raised godly kids that are surrendered and submitted and, and obe obedient. That as an adult, they, they live right. Not perfect, but right. Seek the counsel of those parents and listen to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says the rod of correction, the paddle, will drive out foolishness far from the heart of your child. 
See, when we operate by God's wisdom, we get God's results. But a lot of times we don't know what God says about raising kids or this or that, so we just believe whatever the world says or whatever Google search says or whatever the schools tell us or the government. Quite frankly, the government's wrong on how to raise a child, and they're proving it every day. Because government-raised children do not turn out good. They don't. It's a struggle for them to, to be able to even function based on what the government says is right and wrong. We have to do what God says is right and wrong. And, and when we stop operating foolishly and operate by wisdom, it, and we can't operate right by wisdom unless we start with, in the starting place, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. We have to begin with actually respecting, reverencing, fearing, worshiping, praising, surrendering to and submitting to God. And I'll say this, these aren't popular messages that I'm preaching. This message is not popular among most churches and most, most people. Most people want to hear, you know, a, a, feel, a great feel-good message. And God wants us to be joyful. But you can't even operate in joy until you first surrender and, sur and submit and acknowledge that he is almighty God to be feared. And this isn't a New Te Old Testament thing either. This happened over and over again in the New Testament. But let me get to eternal life for a second. Jesus says this about him being glorified so he can magnify and glorify God. He says, you have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. The eternal life is a gift. And, it's, and guess what? Because of what Jesus has done and the love of God, that God loved us so much he sent Jesus. He died for our sins and was risen from the dead. He has he is gift wrapped this. It, the gift is wrapped and ready to be, to be given anytime someone says, I want it. It's wrapped and ready and it's available anytime, anywhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days uh, a year, all around the world, in any nation, in any tongue, when someone is ready to receive the gift of eternal life and receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life, it is, it is ready to be given. As a gift. It's ready anytime. And it is truly a gift. It's the gift of eternal life. And I want to talk about that term eternal life. Most of the time when I see and hear the term eternal life, I think about the time. I think about the eternal part, not the life part. I think about, oh man, it's forever. That's, for, that's going on forever. And that's where when people started thinking like that, that's where we get these ideas in old uh, if you ever watch old cartoons and some the dog dies or the chicken dies or whatever the cartoon character dies, it shows them floating around on a cloud in heaven playing a harp. Just kind of laying back that nothing's, this is all we do in heaven. And that's where that, come, that concept comes from is because we think more about the eternity of it than the life part of it. I want to focus you on the life part of it right now. It is eternal and infinite, but the most important part of that is life. Do you understand that the reason when people see heaven and the reason when people experience angels or Jesus or God, that, that it's so, 
It's so overwhelming because the life in heaven is so overwhelming. There's, you know, I was medita- I've always meditated on this, and I've always wondered how this will work, because the Bible, Jesus said, we will be like the angels. We won't be married or given in marriage. And man, I've been married to Julie so long, and I love her so much, I'm like, I'd like to be married to her forever. But in heaven, I won't be married to her. And it's kind of weird to think I'm going to walk by and go, hey, Julie, it's once married to you, and we won't be married but I want you to understand something about this, this term, life and eternal. Well, let, let's read the next verse. It explains it. It explains it. It says this. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. So in meditating on this marriage thing, in, in reading those verses, I, I, I began to realize that the intimacy, that word no means intimacy, the intimacy that we have with God and Jesus, we, know, we get to know them forever, it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, that that relationship is so much greater than a human marriage that there's just no comparison to it. And that the sexuality we experience as human beings, hopefully as husband and wife, is can be fantastic on earth, but the intimacy that we experience with God and Jesus, the overwhelming joy of it, the life that we get to experience is so much greater than anything that we could do sexually. We won't need it. It won't. It, it's so lower. We'll see it as such a low-level experience that the, the intimacy and the knowledge and getting to know God and the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be so great that this life doesn't compare. Nothing in this life compares to the life we'll have forever. Nothing compares. I know people that have seen heaven, claim to see heaven, they say the colors are different. Everything is so different. It's so incredible. They can't even describe the, 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 the spectrum of colors that are in heaven because we don't have that spectrum. We don't have those colors. That the colors are different. The, the, the homes are different. The city is different. The, the, the place is different. The presence of God is different. Isaiah, when he saw God and fell, he said his whole, the train of his robe, the train of his robe filled the temple that he was in. Now you have to understand, this temple is like a stadium that would sit three billion people. Five billion people. His glory, his presence fills that place. Can you imagine? We see stadiums that fit 100,000 people. That's some of the biggest stadiums in the world. 150,000 people, biggest stadiums. Can you imagine a stadium that held two, three, five billion people in it? How big that is. And he said his presence fills that place. That's why Isaiah was so, you see it time and time again, New Testament, Old Testament, people just fall over dead like they're dead. They just lose all strength in their body just at the presence of God. Now you understand why he told Moses. Moses said, God, let me see your glory. 
Let me see what makes you great. And God said, I'll let my goodness and, and mercy pass by you because that's what makes God so great is his goodness and mercy. That's why, the, that's why as we get to know him, that eternal life, life, experiencing true life eternally is to get to know God and Jesus better and better and better and better because his goodness and his mercy is so awesome, it will fill us up for an eternity. I hope you're getting a hold of this. This is the God we serve. This is the God who loves you. This is the God who's for you. This is the God who loves us so much he sent Jesus to die for us. This is the God that cares. And I think sometimes when we experience circumstances and situations, we, we give up on him so quick. Because we're like, if you're this great and you're this awesome, why is this happening to me? Let me tell you why it's happening. We live in a fallen world. We sin, other people sin, that we live in an evil world. And we're not citizens of this place. Our citizenship is there, not here. But a lot of times we live more carnally, that we're more connected to what's happening here than there. But God said, if you'll connect more to what's happening up, up with me and you, personally, I'll take care of all the stuff here. This stuff is easy for him. But we get so caught up in what's happening here instead of what's happening with our relationship that a lot of times we rely on ourselves to, and our own understanding of things and our own wisdom and our own thoughts and our own opinions and our own attitudes and we keep missing God. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to read your word and what I read I'm going to apply. Because these are, these are the citizens of heaven rules. This is how his children live. And this is how we live in an occupied territory. We're just occupying this territory. This is not our home. We're just occupying this place. Why are we occupying it, Pastor Troy? So that others can know. So others can come to know him. He made heaven for us. He didn't make hell for us. He made heaven for people. He made hell for Satan and his angels. Unfortunately, people choose to follow Satan instead of follow God. This isn't half-stepping stuff, guys. The time for half-stepping in our culture and in our world is gone. The time for casual Christianity is over. This is a time for people to jump in and say, God, I, I get it. You're with me always. You know my heart. You know my mind. You know my actions. You're with me always. And I, I'm going to walk as, as if you're present. I'm going to speak as if you're present. I'm going to think as if you're present. I'm going to act as if you're, you're here with me right now. You know, I'm going to share something I, I don't always share, but... Um, very personal to me and Julie, but uh, I've shared it before, so Ju Julie's okay with me sharing this. But when we first got married, we had, we had serious intimacy issues because she was a Christian and I wasn't. Uh, I was a Christian when we got married, but I wasn't a Christian before. And so we had two different thoughts about intimacy, and her, her thoughts were so sometimes religious that, you know, it was very scary to her. And my thoughts were sometimes carnal, and, and I wanted to swing from the chandeliers. And so we had these two thoughts. It's kind of funny, but it's the truth. And, uh, and so she had this fear, and I had these probably wrong, I had some wrong thinking. And so that combination was a bad, poisonous mixture. And our intimacy life suffered greatly. And because it suffered, 
then our friendship and everything else suffered. And we had, we had some terrible times in marriage because of that, because of our intimacy life. And so, man, when God finally dealt with me, I began to do things so differently with our intimacy life that when, when we were wanting to be intimate because we had these, these, this clash of, of culture, this clash of thinking, uh, one fear-based, one just a little out of control. And so um, I, I, would, I would hold her and I would say, God, I know that you're present here. I know you've ordained this and blessed this, and I know that you're watching. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Wish you worked, but here, you, here we are. And I would say, I ask you that the Holy Spirit comes in and changes both of us in this moment. And that what you created this for, for pleasure and for purpose, for procreation, children, both of those things, that we experience those things and that you, Holy Spirit, helps us because in and of ourselves, we, we, we aren't capable of doing this right now, Father. And because I know how great God is, his presence would just move into our room and changed everything. Listen, God's part of everything we do. I recognize he's present everywhere I'm at. And I also know he cares about everything that I care about. But he wants to first know that I care about everything he cares about. And that's how it should work. And when you invite his presence, when you reverence him and respect him like that, he'll mani he manifested his presence with us. He changed our whole lives, changed our marriage, changed our lives. It's amazing what God will do when you invite him into the equation and you surrender to him and to each other. It's amazing what God will do. And so understanding that knowing God is what the life eternal is all about, what life with him in heaven is all about, is knowing him and knowing Jesus. Why wouldn't we want to practice that right now? Why wouldn't we want to apply that right now? Because when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord, we receive that eternal life. And we can experience his presence and intimacy with God and with Jesus Christ. We can experience that here right now. Not at the level we will later, but we still can experience it at an extremely high level here. And experience the life he came to give us. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That doesn't happen in heaven. You, Satan can't operate in heaven. He doesn't steal, kill, and destroy in heaven. So we know that applies to earth. Jesus said, I have come. Where did he come? To earth. So these, this, these two statements apply to earth. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy on earth. Jesus said, I came to earth to give life and abundant life. That is the same word he's talking about right here. The life of knowing him, knowing God, knowing Jesus Christ, flowing and being led by the Holy Spirit and living that life here from the inside out here. But it's going to take us understanding that Heaven is not just a time, uh, the absence of time. Heaven is the life of God. Us experience the life of our Father every, every step 
forever. And it's going to get deeper and better. And God's a God of dimensions. He operates on multiple dimensions. I, guys, the, he said, I has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared. So it's not just what we see, it's what we hear. Can you imagine the music? This, I, there's got to be music and sounds and things that we're going to hear, hearing his voice. I mean, just experiencing all the things of heaven. We won't need these relationships to be intimate. Our intimacy will be so far beyond this. Being a brother and sister will be, it'll just flow. Because we're flowing in that. It's going to flow then. But he wants us to start practicing that right now and experience it as much as we can right now on earth, his life. But it's going to take effort on our part. Effort to, to, to read his word and find out what he says about living for him. Find out who he is and what he's talking about when he talks about him and he talks about us. It's going to take so much effort. The Bible says those who study, not read, study, show themselves approved of God. So it's not just a matter of just reading it. I, I read some of this today. I couldn't get past the first few scriptures of this prayer. I usually try to read a chapter a day. I couldn't, but some days I don't because I couldn't get past this eternal life thing. It just hit me that most of the time I think about infinity in the eternal part. I haven't really thought about the life part. That the life part is the most important. What kind of life are we going to have? It's going to be beyond our, it's beyond our comprehension. It's way beyond our comprehension, but it's going to be, man, if you've experienced any kind of life here that you've had a day that was joyful or a moment that was incredible, oh, man, it's, there's nothing that compares on earth to it. I mean, he gives us a small glimpse of Revelation 21. He said, there'll be no more tears, no more sadness, no more, no more evil, no more, no more sin, I mean, he just starts describing all the no more, no more this, no more of that, no more of this. No more death. Wow. There's so much life that nothing can die. He's going to open back up to us the tree of life that Adam and Eve had. We're going to have the tree of life available to us again. And even though we're going to put on an immortal body, we're going to put on a body that lives, that, that is immortal, that can live forever. But we still eat of the fruit of the trees. There's 12 different types of trees that grow along the river of life that's full of his life. And we'll eat the leaves from the trees for, the, for, for our bodies, that our bodies will stay healthy. Pastor Troy, why are we still going to have to eat and, and, and do that and have to go to those trees for our source? of nourishment and our source of healing in our bodies, a source of health in our bodies because God is always going to put us in a position and we'll always be in a position to rely on him. So we might as well learn it now. But we can only learn it if we get into his word and actually start reading it and start applying it. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and understanding of God's word. It's actually applying it. It's acting on God's word. Man, I know so many people that would, if I asked you today, if I went around this room and said, do you want to experience more finances in your life? You'd say, yes. Probably almost everybody in the room say, yeah, man, I can use some more finances. Man, God tells you how to do it. He doesn't make it a secret. 
Man, I, if I went around the room and said, do you want to have a better marriage? I, even people that have a good marriage, even Julie and I, we have a good marriage. I'd say, yeah, man, let's, if it can get better than this, let's go. He tells you how to do that. I want to raise children that, that do great things for the kingdom. He tells you how to do that. I want to, I want to, I want to promote my job. He tells you how to do that. I want to see, I want to be healing to happen in my body. He tells you how that can happen. I want to be delivered from this addiction I have, this thing that I do that just keeps dogging my path or these thoughts that I have. He tells you how to do that. There's nothing he won't instruct you on. There's nothing in all of life, the little and the big, that he doesn't speak on right here. But it all begins standing in awe and wonder of who he is and how incredible he is and that he calls himself our father and that when we give our hearts to him, he, he adopts us right then as sons and daughters. I'm not some stranger that walks into God's presence. I always say it. Man, you and I are the blood-bought children of the Most High God. We, he's given us a right to come in His presence. He's adopted us, and now I walk in as an adopted child of God. I've adopted a child. Jalen has as many or more rights than my other children do. And in the Jewish custom, uh, they could denounce a biological child that went out of bounds. They could say, I, I cut you out of the will. But an adopted child, because they chose to adopt that child, they could not cut them out of the will. They could not deny them. They could deny and cut out of the will a biological child, but they couldn't do an adopted child that way. That's why God uses that term. Yeah, I've adopted you. He's like, I can't deny you. Pursue me. Pursue me and I'll pursue you, he says. Pursue to know me. Not just to get something from me. Pursue to know me and I'll know you and you'll know me. And we'll know each other. And when you ask of the Father in my name, Jesus says, I'll do it for you. If that's the pursuit. If that's where we're headed, I want to encourage you. I want to really encourage you. Live with the presence of God in your life. Knowing He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. And He loves you. Respect Him for that. Honor Him. And if you honor Him, He said He'll honor you. Amen? Listen, every eye closed. Man, if you're online right now or here and you're watching online, you could be watching live tonight or later this week or right here in this room. If you're not right with God, this is the moment and this is the time. He is the almighty God. He said this. He said, God so loved the world that he gave only begotten son, the only son that his spirit birthed through a virgin named Mary. The rest of us are adopted. He's, Jesus is not only his son, but he is fully God. Fully his son. He gave him to us he died for your sins and my sins because we weren't capable 
We weren't capable of earning his, his salvation. We weren't capable of earning heaven. We weren't capable of earning freedom from sin, just totally controlling our lives and committing evil against God and each other constantly. We weren't capable of overcoming that. So he had to do it for us. We were capable of paying the price for one sin we've committed. So we had to have Jesus come who was holy and perfect and sinless. He was the only one capable of paying the price for our sins. He said, I, I laid down my life and I have, I have the authority to pick my life back up. That's why he raised to life on the third day because he said he would. And he's alive. And that's the gift, forgiveness of sin, eternal life, life. And he gives us that life now. And he, in this evil, fallen world, he gives us a life worth having, worth living, and worth giving away. He gives us peace, purpose, and power. But you have to surrender your life to him. He surrendered his life to save us. He's asking us to surrender our life to him so he, he can finish the work of salvation and save our lives. And only those who surrender to him, and only those who he really knows and know him, have, a, have that kind of relationship with him, personal, intimate relationship. Only those will have eternal life. Live in heaven. If you've never prayed, and surrendered your life to him and said, I want to know you. And I, I know you know me, but I want to know you intimately. I want to know you personally, Jesus. And I surrender my life to your Lordship. You are God and I am not. If you've never did, prayed that, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and accepted his Lordship, accepted his eternal life, accepted his spirit living inside of you, accepted His love and His grace and His mercy, His goodness, living in you and through you. If you've never done that and you want to, this is your moment and this is your time. If you've done it and you've ran away from home and you know it's wrong and you know what you're doing is so outside the boundaries of where you should be and the pride of life or the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes has pulled you in a direction I want to say this to you. There's always a way home. Repentance is the way home. Saying, God, I'm sorry. I want to change. Help me to change. Give me the strength to change. That is the way back home. He'll welcome you with open arms. So whether it's your first time or your next time, online, if it's your first time or next time, text us. Send us a message, whatever that is. Send us a message online that says, it's my first time or... I, this is my next time. This is, I'm coming home. In this room, on the count of three, I'm asking you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. I understand he's God. I understand he's almighty. I understand that Jesus is the only way I can be saved. The only way I can experience life in this life and eternal life in the next is through Jesus. Surrendering my life to him, and I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it today. I want to say this to you. He doesn't expect you to be perfect today or tomorrow. He just expects you to be heartfelt. That you're ready to move forward. 
and start taking those steps forward. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll encourage you. So if that's you on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, send us a message online, and then right after that, we're going to pray together right where you're seated, right where you're at online. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand up and say it's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All over the college, all over this room. Thank you all. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Let's pray with those online and those in this room. Let's all pray together. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. That you love me. You love us. You sent Jesus to die for our sins, for my sins. You raised him from the dead, and he's alive. And I believe that. Because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all the times I've sinned against you. And I receive your forgiveness, and I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I surrender all my life to you. And I thank you now. I receive your Holy Spirit. And you give me life in this life, in the next. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God. Let's thank Him for how good He is, how incredible He is. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.